Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you some tools for life. You know, we've got these incredible bodies. Some Maybe of us. you do. <laughs> we've Not got all of us. <laughs> yeah, my body. Known for the incredible magnificent. It's incredibly something. I don't know. <laughs> Are you hearing the attitude in Sky? <laughs> Tread lightly, Skyler. Tread Sky, lightly. okay, let's be real. <laughs> Sky's been mad for about a week <laughs> because here's what went down. Um, <sighs> Bryce Tobin won an award. <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a, he won an award with the Utah Broadcasting Association. The UBA. The UBA, but it's an UBI because I guess – I don't know. Anyway, since then – They had pie at the ceremony. They had pie, which was a very big moment for you. That was great. Free pie. Since you won that award, making us an award-winning show, since then, Sky's been in a funk. He's been, he's been trying to like yeah. you know, murder me as, yeah. I, as I walk around corners. Yeah. My, See, ca- that's, that's my the car re- makes this weird clicking noise. Yeah, yeah. Do you hear the click? Because he put some. I that's the real reason there. I had him cover for me the other day. <clears throat> Were you sad? So that you'd know where I was located, so you could go sabotage. No, so he knew what I had to go through, also, to uh, prove that I can board up. Well, no, but you've like been. It's almost like you're jealous that he won an award and you haven't won an award yet. Okay, you got me. Except today, something very special has happened that we want to recognize on the show. Skyler Lamar <laughs> Anson received something in the mail oh, yeah. that has it's we call it his man card. See, here's the thing. Bryce got one of those too. <laughs> yeah, I got so one. So that doesn't well. help me at all. Oh. Okay. Well, what he got in the mail was your what? Let's what was it called? It's called a scuba certification. Oh. You got a scuba certification. We'll give you a little credit card. Put it right yeah. next to your Eagle Scout card, so when you get pulled over, you can be like, "Oh, here's my. Oh, is that yeah. my? Is that my boy? Then you pull that. Oh, is that my scuba? Sir? Oh, is this my? Is this my first aid? Where is, this is my, my driver's is this my motorcycle license? license? Whoa, is that my gun permit? Whoa, is that my hunting license? Anyway, um, you. What would a police officer do if I just kept giving them like cars. that kind of junk the whole time? Not like, even close. Here's Not my Costco close. card. He would tase you. If he had any sense, he would tase you right then, and then he'd go through your wallet. Would it be worth it? It'd be, I'd be pay to see it. I would, I would um, pay to be a part of it. But, so, oh, this is sad, because I thought we were setting you up for a win here. Yeah, didn't then, win this time. If I wasn't so, here, it would have been a win. So what you're saying is Bryce Tobin 2, Skyboy 1. I don't, does Skyboy have one yet? What's my what's my well, the one is you got your you got your oh so that counts cer- still even though he, certificate thing. he got one too so that made him two, two he's now gotcha. two you're just one okay darn I was trying to lift you up a bit thanks I appreciate that well I just be depressed all day hey did you have to study a lot for that um, scuba thing <laughs> did you study a lot <laughs> uh, no I mean you're what's the worst thing that could happen to somebody scuba diving really? they could die yeah but you didn't study well in class. Like we had quizzes we had to take, and but a you, final we actually had a final. Do they have a book you read? They yes. have a book you read. When did you read the book? In class. So you only did. So this is something that could take your life. You could die. Yes. And you pretty much only did the work in the class. Yes. You didn't even peruse the book while you were. Well, at home. no. I mean, there was a there was a couple times we had to fill out little sheets with answers mm. from the reading. 
Okay. So I did that the did first time. Pre-reading. I did that the first time, but they said we were just going to have a quiz on the first chapter. So I did the first chapter. We went to class that day, and they did like the first four chapters. Well, so then after that, I, I find that I weird. was pretty much done. Because the other day, I saw you reading a Sparks Notes thing uh-huh. on scuba class. <laughs> So you didn't even read the actual book. You read the cliff notes. Okay, yes. I read the cliff notes from my scuba textbook. You're going to die. No, I'm not because I've got buddies to help me yep. that actually know what they're doing. No, you mean award-winning buddies. Award-winning buddies you really who think, have won gold at the, right, right, Ubies. at the Ubies. Do you have any idea that he he's not going to be dragging you around? He's not. He's actually, a, he does drag me around sometimes uh, when we're scuba diving. Yeah. It's part of our training. So he knows how to do it. <laughs> but here's the deal. I just, I just grab onto his tank and pull. <laughs> I know. But you, need to have, you need to have one hand, like I guess, for a harpoon. <laughs> My spear gun? <laughs> spear gun. And another hand for him, right? But So now that you have an ubi, where are you going to put him? What, what is the, does the ubi go around your neck? Is no, it a medal? Is it a let's trophy? Let's just say it's a trophy. It's a hand. piece of paper. Uh, oh, well, that good, was It's good cardstock, but it's paper. <laughs> that was just – anyway, I tried to lift you up. I tried to give you a shot. So two to one, that's the score. All right. But it's not bad. I mean, you could be three to one. Oh, no, you're, you are three to one because you're not going to be here tomorrow. But Bryce isn't covering for me tomorrow. No, he's not. But tomorrow we're giving an award to all the members of the team. Uh, so that would be three awards and you'd be still at dude, one. I always, I always, I'm always here. gone on like yes. days where you feed us. Or there's like I'll cool probably bring some on. food in tomorrow too. Are you going to be gone? Yeah, I'm going to be gone. Ah, blasted. Ah, really? It. I'm going to miss the food again. <sighs> well, what do you do? I try. I can't do everything for you, man. I'm not your mother. Are you a good student? I actually minus I am. using cliff notes for your scuba test. I think I am a good student. Do you have good study habits? Uh yeah, ish. What do you do to study? Because that's our topic today, by the way. Do it depends what? on what I'm studying. Well, not scuba, obviously, because that's <laughs> where you're going to die. Apparently, yeah. You don't do that. Cliff noted. How about just I don't know guitar class. Guitar class? Because I saw you with spark notes there, too. Well, with guitar th- classes that I've taken, it's mostly practicing. I don't really consider that studying. You call that jamming? I call it jamming. Yeah, I, do no, I call that practicing. Okay. It's a little different than jamming. How about a... Oh, I've seen you actually do a, psych- a philosophy class, too. Philosophy. How did you get through the philosophy book? Oh, I, Cliff Note. No I way. read the philosophy book. Oh, you did? <laughs> and I spark noted. Okay. So I kind of double... Do you feel like one. you have really good study habits? I feel like I've got good cramming habits. Okay. Ah, oh, yeah. that's great. That'll be great when cramming comes in handy. <laughs> Although, okay, I'll tell you. I've, I've got three or four midterms this week, and I took the first one yesterday. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I How'd spent all day Saturday. Cramming. I, I spent all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yeah. I, I mean, I said no to everyone. I didn't watch the football game. Wow. Studying for this test. Okay. So that's pretty good. That's huge. That's yeah, the game good. wasn't that great. Now, you know, a lot of people would actually just good. do their homework and reading throughout the entire first half of the semester. Yeah. And, and then I, you wouldn't have to do I, that. And actually, with this test, I did do some of the reading okay. beforehand good. because the last test was really hard. Skylar, do you find that as you take uh, midterms, do you find that you learn about a semester's worth of material while taking the midterm? Yeah, here's my deal. I feel like I'm memorizing a lot of facts that I then just forget. Yeah. But that's way, you, why I don't like tests like that. I yeah. think I think application tests like the scuba diving application test because we're actually doing something yeah, that I'm going to do someone. later. Sure. It's a more applicable. Do you still remember those uh that list of things we gave you to remember? <clears throat> Cuz this is a really interesting test. There's Ubi Doobie, Shishi, 
Jimmy Buffett, and there was a name that started with an S H. Shishi. No, that's a shishi. There's another one. There's like a Shara Sharice or I don't remember. I can't remember. See, I can't remember. But see, notice that is stuck in your head. Yeah. See, what a waste. What a waste. Because we'll never use that again. Well, I don't know if you keep bringing it up. We might still keep using it. But see, isn't that funny? You remember that, but there is something to do with scuba that you probably forgot that might, you know, cost you or someone you love air. Maybe. Hypothetically. Hmm. Studying. <laughs> yeah. Are you a good student? No, I'm terrible. You're about to graduate. <laughs> yep. So you've faked it for how many years? Uh, I guess if we want to get really technical here, we're running on 17. 17 years you've been faking. <laughs> or how many just in college, I guess? That's what I'm... About four and a half. Wow. So that's fast. That was a fast degree. It's only a four-year degree. Doing four and a half. That's great. Yeah. That beats the average. Does it, though? I think the average is like six. I think it's about it? like five. Yeah. But that takes into account the people who do like, you know, 15 years. Double majors yeah. and... See, I'm worried because my kids don't study real well. That's fine. They can make it. I mean... I guess that's probably not what I should say. No. That's Sorry, again. study hard, kids. Yeah. Do that. I mean, you can get pretty far on good looks. I mean, if you just look at me. That got me through elementary school. And you can get pretty far... <laughs> you can get pretty far on, I guess, spark notes. No, 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 no. You can graduate on spark notes. See, but that... Is that right? Um... They don't. They don't ask if it's right. They ask if there's a degree. So, see, but I then think because you never really should stop learning, right? You should always be learning. So I, I asked uh, somebody the other day what was the last book they read, and they actually he's only twenty four, but he never read a book, <laughs> never, unless you count Spark Notes. That doesn't count as a book. Certainly, so does not. he's but he's read dozens of Spark Notes. Right, so that scares me. Well, Sparknotes saved me from reading the Scarlet Letter, so hard to knock that. Yeah. So how does how does reading, say Moby Dick, help you later on? It also, so I so I read I read say I read Moby Dick and write a paper on it. Yeah. You mm. learn critical analysis. Okay. You learn how to actually read and then retain memory long enough to answer questions. You learn about fishing. Uh, whaling. Whaling. Yeah. whaling. You learn about whaling, gnashing of teeth. Ivory legs. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was an ivory leg, right? I never Ahab's heard it. leg. Was it ivory? I thought it was. Maybe it was wooden. I don't know. I don't remember the leg. What was what? That's, that leg. was a big deal. The, the... See, you remember a detail like that. Yeah, I haven't read the book, though. Um, you remember that. You remember culture. You remember art. You remember the nuance of formulating sentences. Have you ever seen a child who hasn't read a book but has only text messaged and then read their letters home? I think it's important for children to read. Me too, LOL. <laughs> I just died a little inside. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. That's, that's what I get in my letters from my son. Really? in Mexico. So he little shorthands me. Which he, if he, had, you know, if he had read Moby Dick, he probably did. But if he had read it like sincerely, no, no, no. If he read Moby Dick, he would go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about things that you don't care yeah. about, and then really fast, at, yeah. right at the end, he'd bring it up real fast because I can't. I went through like a half a book without them even so talking do you think about people, a whale. People who uh, who talk to you and never make a point about anything are the people who read Moby Dick. Well, apparently, and because that's... I like when people are short and to the point. Well, yeah. Well, beggars can't be choosers, pal. <laughs> 
I mean, that's a great idea. I like people that just don't talk at all and hand me money, <laughs> but they don't come around very often. So I guess in the end, when you get used to reading a Moby Dick, you also – maybe part of this is just how we – you know, you just have to go through this. This is part of the process of enculturating. New word. Is that really a word? I don't know if it's a word, in, but it is now. Enculturification. Enculturification. It's, oh, okay. I just think it's part of the deal. Now, my problem is I don't think we know how to study. I really don't. I know I don't, and I've got a doctorate and two master's degrees. Ha, see? No big deal. <laughs> Never studied a day in my life. Actually, I did. But I, if I had studied appropriately, I probably would have actually been done sooner than I was. How long did it take you to figure out your method of studying? Well, I've yet to figure that out. Okay, well. Because I don't really have a method. That's my problem. But if I had learned a method when I was a kid in school, I would have – I'd have seven master's degrees by now. <clears throat> don't know that I'd need them. But hey, you know, just so you have it. You never know when you're going to have enough degrees. Now, I'm wondering, okay, because I'm taking a lot of classes right now I'm not interested in at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the past couple of years, I've taken a lot of classes that I'm extremely interested right. in. Welcome to the university. Now, these classes system. that I'm not interested in yeah. at all, uh-huh. I feel like I'm reading a lot of material yeah. and memorizing a lot of material to spew it all out on a test. That you'll never Good use. Verb. That I'll Good never, verb. That I'll spew. never use right. it again. So don't you think, do you think I, do you think there'd be a better way yes. where we can apply what yes. we're learning yes. instead of just memorizing and yes. being tested on it? Yeah. I would enjoy school so and much more and I, I would, would get a lot you, more out of it. But I would bet you there like you probably don't have to do as much reading as you think. And you I, probably I have don't to, at really. times though you have to do more than you think. So what I'm saying is you need you need to know how to learn and once you know how to learn especially how you learn You'll know better ways that's the thing. to get through I, this process. That's the thing. I spent four or five days studying for this test. Other people who did just as well or better than me spent two days. Yeah. And a law of diminishing returns. And yeah. so I feel I, I, I study a lot. Okay. And and I do just as well as other people, but Today's that's because that's not what, how I learn. No. I learn I learn hands on application. Too. I do too. I also I actually learn more listening than reading. Than reading. Reading I read so slow. Me too. <laughs> but the, part of it's because I actually think you have to read everything. I have to reread it yeah, over yeah. and over again to like really understand. But if what's I listen, on. so on my drives, I just put in a CD, a book on tape, and I listen to it, and then I dictate notes, and boom, <coughs> I get I retain more in a drive listening dictating than I would if I had read the book. But that's how I learned. But I didn't figure that out till I was forty years old. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, we're, <laughs> that's why we're, we're doing the show. I want people to here. know this earlier, right? Also, well, okay, okay. One, one more quick question. So, because a lot of like what college you get into yeah. is based on like an ACT score, for example. But some people aren't good at taking tests. No, horrible. But they're smart people. And for instance, if I want to go to medical school and I have to take the MCAT, yeah. a lot weighs yeah. on my test score for oh, the yeah. MCAT. Uh. But I could be a great doctor. You'd be a fantastic doctor. But because I don't do well at test taking, call those I can't become a doctor. Easy fix. Easy no. fix. So what do you do? Black market. No, no. <laughs> you go to the Caribbean. You get your degree there like lots of guys. And <laughs> then Rico. you get tons and tons of experience being a doctor. And no, then see, I think that's the age old issue. Test. I really do. I think some of the best doctors probably couldn't get in. Yeah, but and even you could even once you get in and you're but, done but taking the, the test, the system's not going to change. So no. for those who Caribbean, 
Besides the Greeks, is there any other options? Well, I think the Bulgaria. Today Bulgaria. we're going to have Nate Cornell on the show, and he's going to teach us how you learn to learn. Study habits, how you build it, how you, how you build study habits. Not just for yourself, but think about it as an adult. I mean, we should still be learning, and I think a lot of adults have just quit learning because you've got your degree. Also, for your children, how to set up a situation, a, a place for your kids to study, and how to do it in a way that they actually have the skills, the tools to learn. And then the other one, we're going to get you, Skyboy, into med school without going to the <laughs> Can Caribbean. you just get me in right now? Yeah, we'll okay. figure out a way to do it. We would love your callers today. Uh, your calls today. If you would like to ask some questions about study habits, like how do I get my kids to study, or how do you focus and sit through reading a book? Give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'll get you on the phone today with our wonderful guest, Nate Cornell. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're teaching about learning how to learn your study habits You know, it's weird. A lot of you out there might be thinking, you know, I don't study anymore, so why are we talking about studying? But the reality is you should be. I don't know if you've heard about the economy. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are going back to school to retool. And if you haven't learned to study, uh, you might be in trouble. Plus, you know, your kids need to study. Your grandkids need to study. Um, I could only study with the television on. That's the only way I could do it. I can only study with, you know, chips in my hand. Really? Yep. Or at least that's what I tell myself. That's how I justify it. Greasy, nasty potato ones. Okay, that's good. Um, We have to learn the skills. So our own uh, Bryce Tobin, you've been thinking about this. You apparently didn't learn to study till when? Uh, Till not too long ago. And apparently it's caused some negative energy we're going to learn about. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I love bad tests, or I guess I like a certain kind of bad test. There's the kind of tests that ask vague questions and give you eight multiple choice options that are just as vague. I think we can all agree that a world with less of these would be a better place. But that's not the bad test I'm thinking of. Remember when this would happen? Question 26. What is the speed of gravity? And then the options are like A, 32 meters per second, B, 9.8 meters per second, C, 9.8 feet per second, or D, none of the above. Then you go, uh, dang, that's a pretty specific question, and I haven't done any of the reading. Let's move on and come back to that one when my standards are lower. And then question 27 says, how far would a piano travel if dropped for 10 seconds while moving at 9.8 meters per second or the speed of gravity? Ha! Easy money. And you know, that's how I would encapsulate my high school experience. It wasn't about learning. It was about breaking poorly made tests. That is, until you get to college. At college, they know how to make tests. And they have quite literally made a science of creating and adjusting tests. It's called psychometrics. It's there to make sure every question is testing your knowledge of the question at hand. And you know what? It really put a rain on my parade. I got one test back my freshman year. I got a 44. I was disappointed. Not about the grade. I was disappointed because I realized life had finally caught up with me. I now had to actually study. I was sad because I realized all that free time I was anticipating was never going to get here. It would all be spent studying. Then the real problem hit me. How does one study? Well, my first approach was to read the book. You know, like those study montages in 80s movies? Ha! Rookie mistake. 
I tried this for a while, but I quickly realized 90% of what is written in the textbook is pointless. The 10% that actually mattered to class was peppered in there somewhere, but there was no way to know. Besides, I can't tell you how many times I'd wake up while reading, only to realize I'd been reading for the past 20 minutes and have no idea what's going on. So then I decided to start going to review sessions. The first rule of review sessions, don't go to review sessions done by the professor. Their job security depends on you not doing well on your test. There is a conflict of interest, and you have the disadvantage in this contest. There's the student-led review sessions, but have you ever heard the phrase, when the blind lead the blind, we all get a bad grade and fail out of college? So then you have to go to the TA review sessions. These TAs really enjoy how their head is still connected to their bodies, so in this contest, students certainly have the advantage. But there's two kinds of review sessions. If you get there and the TA says, I'm going to go through the test and ask you questions, rest assured, the session will be useful. You will be better prepared for the test. Any shortcomings will be limited and entirely your fault. If the TA gets up there and says, I'm not going to just go through the test. Come prepared with questions. Do not bother going. It will not be worth it. I understand the logic. Ask your questions to get the specific help you need. But you don't know what you don't know, so how can you ask questions about things you know nothing about? Reviews are great, but I had to go through a lot that were less than helpful. So then I decided to start taking notes. This is better, but when only 10% of the material has a purpose, you end up trying really hard to retain lots of irrelevant information. And then this irrelevant information gets in the way of remembering the relevant stuff. So we're back at square one. I soon realized I may have been in college, but I was far behind on the study curve. I had no idea how to study. I'm better now. I eventually found my way of studying. There's two sides to it. First one is pretty cool. I'll record the lecture and then play it in the background whenever I do things like walk between classes and home, drive from place to place, go grocery shopping, do the dishes. I'll do it during anything that could use some background noise. If repetition is the way to learn, I can easily go through a lecture five or six times without really feeling it. Second one I do is look up YouTube videos on the subject matter. Doesn't really save me time, but it's more fun. And if you do it enough, you learn what you need to in three minute chunks. Besides, videos are better than textbooks any day. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. See, you're figuring it out. (laughs) You know, I have two months left. I'm getting there, though. <laughs> See, that's what's so sad is you do it. You have two months left. But isn't, isn't that true about everything? You're yeah. like, man, I finally get it. Good thing I'm moving on to But that's why else. we're doing the show again. Hello. Because this is costing some serious money. Skyboy could go to med school and he won't figure it out till the last year when they boot him out. I don't know. I think it's a win-win because he might just go to the Caribbean for it. And he'd have his oh. you know, 13-year Caribbean vacation and become a doctor when he comes home. Yeah. Plus, I'm scuba certified, so I could use that down there. Totally. Oh. Yeah. Well, when in doubt, you could always fall back. So if medicine didn't work out for you, you could always fall back to your scuba. Yeah. Certification. Certification. You could be a professional scuba diver. I would love that. <laughs> what would be cool is if you actually had an UBI, an award for your your broadcasting you know excellence. You keep bringing it up. I had forgotten about it. Oh, had I you? had actually forgotten about it until you brought it up again today. Well, I just think it would look great on your <laughs> resume. I mean, along with the scuba thing. Should I should I apply for a UBI? UBI? Gonna have to wait till next year. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Plus, I'm not sure um, if it'll pan out. Oh. Okay. Some people were meant for UBIs. Some were meant for scuba buddies. I'm both. <laughs> and our own Bryce is both. He has dual citizenship in both the Ubi world and the Scuba world. Dual awardship. Scooby. The Scooby. Scuba and Ubi awards. I would like to apologize to everyone listening. Uh, I'm sorry. That's, that's how quick we are here. So here's the deal of the show. We're going to take a break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to be talking to an expert. Dr. Nate Cornell is going to be joining us. He is, an, he is a professor of psychology at Williams College. 
But his focus is um, on learning and memory and how they relate to education. So if you want to improve your ability to retain, your ability to learn, your ability to study and make things stick in that uh, head of yours, this is the show for you. We're going to also ask for your, your callers. If you want to call in and have a question about what you should do for your kids, how you should set up a study system with your kids, give us a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We're taking callers throughout the show. So give us a call. We'll also give you a book when uh, you call in and get on the air. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, Little ABCs. It's easy as one, two, three. Hmm. Don't ring me. Hmm. Welcome back to the program. Today we're talking about learning, learning how to learn. Some people call it studying, those that do that. Uh, you know, you've got to know yourself. You've got to know how you learn and how you approach your learning, and even maybe get really good at, at setting some rules, some structure for you in uh, in knowing how to study. Also, a great, great tool for your children as well. So we thought, who better to teach us about studying than a professor that studies studying? Dr. Nate Cornell is joining us. He's a, an assistant professor of psychology at Williams College. He's actually a cognitive psychologist who researches learning and memory as they relate to education. Dr. Uh, Cornell uh, did a PhD, finished his PhD from Columbia University in 2005. He also did a postdoctoral fellowship at UCLA. He has a wife, Renee, and he has three wonderful children, Juliet, Violet, and Kai, I believe is, his na- is their name, uh, writes in Psychology Today's blog, Everybody is stupid except you. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So, uh, Dr. Cornell, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you. Now, you know, you're sitting, you're talking to, you know, a bunch of people. One, I'm, I'm way old, okay, so I'm old. Let's not even talk about me. Bryce, one of our uh, team here, he's about to be done in two months. And, uh, and then Skyboy has got about six more years for his uh, <laughs> undergrad, for his associates. And um, anyway, everybody, we've kind of all been complaining the system doesn't seem, you know, we can blame the schools. The system isn't set up for learning. How we learn seems a little awkward. It doesn't seem to fit everybody. Um, but I guess when it comes right down to it, learning is really just very personal, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, um, a lot of the learning that college students do in college and also before and especially after doesn't take place in a classroom, doesn't necessarily take place in front of a book. You know, we we're learning every time you go on Wikipedia, every time you meet a new person, you maybe learn their right. name, et cetera. And, and these are all self-directed things. You know, a lot of times you get out of it what you put into it. If you approach the world in a way where you're kind of oriented towards improving and learning, it really makes a difference. Well, and it seems like the idea that, you know, learning ended when you got your degree, that, yeah. that doesn't seem like it's going to work in the information age. It's things have changed, I think. Yeah. Yes. And especially because um, the jobs are changing. You know, the, 
the use of technology. If you go into an office and you, and you ask the young people how to use Excel, and then you ask the people who've been around for a while how to use Excel, right. Excel is very useful, and, and there, there can be a big difference. If you have an attitude, like just for, towards computers, that there's probably a better way, and you start searching for that, you're, you might find it, and there yeah. are better ways, you know. And that's, um, I mean, that, that technology, uh, that the advancement of technology seems huge, not just in maybe um, our ability to know so much more. It also seems like just the mere way that we could be educated and and study and what our space for studying should look like. I mean, it seems like technology is changing every part of learning. You know, the irony is that it's changing almost every part, but the one part that I think it doesn't, hasn't changed much is how people actually study. Hmm. If you go to a, a college library or go to a dorm room, you're going to see people cracking open their books and doing kind of the same stuff they did 100 years ago. Yeah. Yes, they do use YouTube now, which I think is great, uh, and I use it too. But um, there, has been, there are shifts in the, the, the media that we use to get information. You know, we, now we have computers and the Internet. But the way we as learners approach information hasn't really changed much. Right. That's, uh, and as a, as a person that studies it, what, what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing is, is happening with our study habits? In a weird way, I, I feel like sometimes I wonder if my kids even have study habits and mm-hmm. um, yeah. if they even have an actual place to study. And does that even matter or do we just kind of, do we all just figure it out our way? You know, that's, it's so funny. I did, actually did a survey on this question one, at one point because I was curious. And I just asked, do you study the way you do because someone taught you how to study? I did this at UCLA yeah. a few years ago. And, you know, the, the large majority of the students said, no, I, don't, I study the way I do because I just made it up or, um, you know, I figured it out. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, kind of unfortunate because if you think about it, how much time do you spend studying oh. between the ages of 5 and right. 30? Like a lot. And so if you were slightly more efficient over all that time, think how much more you could yeah. learn. Yeah. Or if you wanted to, think about how you could learn the same amount but spend a lot less time. Yeah. Um, so if people there, – there are not a lot of easy ways to study. It's always going to be hard, but you can be more efficient. And there are you know, science, scientific studies to, that have investigated this. Uh, but the, it's hard to get the word out Yeah, like, what people can do. When, when somebody's, it seems like they've gone to school, they've passed their tests, once they're kind of about ready to do some, you know, final exam or some master's, uh, you know, exam or so, something that's going to be kind of a final thing, or even the ACT, then they go take classes for test taking. But it seems like test taking, great idea. Okay, great. Spend all this money, all this time in order to pass this one test. Why aren't we investing that same time and front load the system and and really help people learn to study so the whole process of four years is spent is magnified instead of just the test right well that's a that's a great point. you know the thing is when you're facing that test you're going to want to take if you're going to about to take the a c t I don't care what you did for the last few years you're still going to want to take that training yeah, yeah you want that class whether you whether you've learned a ton in the last four years or not it's going to help you so mm-hmm. Kind of at the last second, it's too late to, to make those decisions. But we need, what we need to do is, is get people to think about the long term. I mean, one of the biggest problems with studying, and this is really fundamental to how everybody perceives learning, is that learning is about changing what you know. 
It's not about doing well right now. Oh, yeah. A lot of parents, I think, and, and students as well, you know, like my oldest daughter's in third grade, and I think a lot of the third grade parents think my, stu- my, my son or daughter should go to school and they should succeed in school. And, and they should because it's, it feels good for them, et cetera. But the real point of school is not to succeed in third grade. It's to succeed in the future. Yeah, over life. Know enough right. that, that by the time you, you graduate from college, you've built up a lot of knowledge, and, and, and all, not just knowledge, but skills and, and concepts, et cetera. So, what a great you know, answer, though. Learning is changing what you know. Exactly. And so, so the process of changing what you know seems like a process of continuous failure and yep. learning. I mean, it's, it, this is a weird analogy, but it's sort of like, you know how people used to wear like ankle weights when they would walk around? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a way of getting stronger. Right. Well, if you wear ankle weights, you're, gonna be, you're gonna, not going to jump as high and you're not going to run as fast right. while you're wearing them. Right. But once you take them off, you're going to get the benefits. And so school is kind of like where you're supposed to be wearing the ankle weights. You're supposed to be training and improving there. When you take them off is when you're actually performing. And we have to separate learning from performance. Learning should be hard and it should be challenging and you should struggle. Performance is when you get to use that knowledge and, and, you know, really do something in the world. That's interesting. And it seems like so many of our classes are just more about perform, perform, perform. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, and and the thing is, as a professor, I, I admit, like, I have to uh, measure my Something, students' right. learning at some point. So you have to have yeah. assessments and stuff. Like, you can't get around that. But it does send a message to the students that what we care about is grades. You know, I, I always want to say to my students, oh, you guys, don't worry about your grades. Just think about learning and care about that. <laughs> Enjoy the I'm, ride. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and, you know, and, and don't do the reading because I told you to. Do the reading because it's important. Right. But then, like, that's so unrealistic because <laughs> they got other stuff to do, you know. <laughs> I don't yeah. just... Like what you, I what I love about what you open the crack crack open the textbook when the class is over. That's right. Not yeah, who's no one's going to open that book that much. Well, they can hardly wait to turn the books in and get some money. Exactly. Um, okay, so one thing we can control. So I, I can't necessarily control the entire education system of my state. I can't control what are the standards and the norms. I can't control my professors, but I can control how I go about studying. Yeah. So what have, what are you learning? What what are some techniques you've seen? Um, that are that are pretty core, basic, growing tools to help us study better. Okay, well, the thing that I think, so I think the most important things are the things that people are doing wrong. That's what we need yeah, to correct, do that. of course. So, so one thing, there's a big misconception, is that when you sit down to study, you should really dig in and focus on one thing. Hmm. And you should dig in and focus, but the problem is, Doing it on one thing is not necessarily a good idea. What happens is if you study something, let's say you're going to study something twice. You're going to, you're going to do your home, you're going to do the reading for a class and for history, and then you're going to go over your, the yeah. reading again later. If you do it all in, in one night, you know, you'll feel like you're learning a lot, yeah. but you, you'll you're, forget it. Because you're going and deep. there are lots of studies that have shown if you do the reading one night and then you review some other night, you wait a week, the longer you wait, the better. Well, between is, the first learning and the second learning, it's exactly. better. A lot of times we, we sort of go over the same information more than once. And anytime you do that, the longer the gap is between the first time you go over it and the second, the more you'll retain in the long term. Really? So, and, and the effect is very strong. So there, there's, it's too strong in two ways. It's strong in the sense that everybody know, thinks it's the opposite. So everybody kind of gets this wrong. 
Yeah, they but, think get focused, get going, review your study list every night, go yeah, over it two or three do, times. I mean, going over it two or three times a night is, is good. Okay. But the problem is um, sort of waiting and then doing it all at the last minute. Oh, all the cramming. And the cramming. And there's nothing wrong with cramming, but you have to study before you cram as well. In fact, I did, a, I did an experiment one time where I had people cram or else – so basically, let's say they spent um, – four chunks of time the day before the test. I had them either do that or spend a chunk of time on day one, a chunk on day two, a chunk on day three, and a chunk on day four. Spread it out. They did way better on the test on the fifth day, even though they had studied everything for four chunks of time the day before. So they studied way more the day before. But they learned way more if they'd spread it out. Interesting. So is that what you call spacing, space studying? Exactly. Spacing it out. Spacing your study means you have to... Study it and then go go away. Let yourself forget and then come back. Because really, your brain—you might cognitively be forgetting it, but your brain's not. I mean, it's got it in there deep somewhere. Well, it, the, and actually, you know what? The, the irony of, of the spacing effect is that the more you forget, the more you can relearn. The problem is, if you study and then you immediately go study the same thing again, you don't give yourself time to forget, and so. It's huh. kind of like you filled up the jug, and there's no more there's room no more to room. put any more in. Oh, interesting. But if you let the forgetting happen, you kind of drain some of that. Yeah. You don't drain the memories up, but you, you make them less easily accessible in your mind. Then you can restudy and really have an impact. When we go restudy, does it go back to the same place? Well, no. I mean, or is, it, or is it just creating more ties about the content? Is that the idea of this is we're tying more... We're tying it down twice instead of tying it down once. That's the idea. So it's kind of like if you plant a seed and something grows, it's kind of like, okay, then you plant another seed. If you just study right away, it's almost like you haven't planted a second seed. Right. You have to come, go away and come back. That's cool. And so you, you create stronger ties and you remember it better. And there are lots and lots of studies that have shown this. Is this, is this in all learning? I mean, or is this like specific to certain types of learning? Um, like, is it like if you had to like perform something, would it be better to perform and learn your script or whatever with spacing, or would it be better to, you know? It's uh, the, so it will be better if you do it with spacing okay. for almost everything. There are exceptions, um, but but the exceptions, for example, in if you're learning a sport, when you first start trying to serve a tennis ball. You can, you can do it all together all at once. You can mass your practice because it's so hard that you don't need to – forgetting is not going to help you. It's right. too hard. Yeah. But as long as you have some level of competence, then you can start forgetting and that will help you. And, in fact, uh, the thing that I think a lot of students and, and just learners in general need to remember is if you try spacing and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. This is making things way worse for me and I'm, I'm, doing, I'm not performing well. Yeah. Well, you've got to remember that's exactly what – happens that feeling is exactly what happens when you are benefiting from spacing really you you actually have that doubt you when you study something and then let yourself forget and study it again you forgot a bunch so Mm. it feels much worse oh interesting it's so counterintuitive isn't it to what we've been taught exactly so yeah it's it's very counterintuitive and it feels wrong like when you come back to it you're like i can't remember this this is terrible but the thing is, if you study it right away, you can remember it great. It feels good, but it's an artificial crutch. It's not, that's not really 
fair. And then it seems like that's maybe why we were just talking about cramming and we, we, you know, Sky here would cram a bunch of stuff in the night before. He'd go do okay on the test because I guess he remembered it, but it's not going to stick. That's the problem. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely pro-cramming. I think cramming yeah. is a good thing to do. If you space cram. It's just not enough. Yeah. If you space and then cram, that's the ideal. That's the ideal. Isn't that interesting? Okay, we're talking uh, with Dr. Nate Cornell, who's an assistant professor of psychology at Williams College. He's teaching us the art. It's probably more of a science of studying. We'd love to have your calls. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. If you have a learning question, a question about how to get your kids to study or maybe the best way to organize some of your... Uh, your children's study time and study habits, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Dr. Nate Cornell on the topic of studying. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Hoedown. Today we are talking, as we're wrapping up this first hour of the show, we're talking about studying and uh, just learning in general, but some of the principles behind healthier, more effective study habits. Obviously, your kids may need them as they're growing up, getting older. Some of us, though, go back. We try to get certificates. We want to change our careers. We're, we're just trying to stay up on stuff. I know people that just need to memorize something for a talk or memorize something for a, a church event or whatever, a play, anything they're doing. And so some of the tools we're getting from our wonderful guest here today are, are designed to help you with that. Our guest is Dr. Nate Cornell. He's an assistant professor of psychology at Williams College. He's a cognitive psychologist who researches learning and memory. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He has a PhD from Columbia University and a dis- postdoctoral work at a fellowship at UCLA. He has a wife, Renee, three wonderful kidlets, and uh, writes for Psychology Today blog that's called Everybody is Stupid Except You. By the way, you can also follow Nate on Twitter, at Nate Cornell, K-O-R-N-E-L-L, at Nate Cornell. Check him out on Twitter as well. Nate, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Fascinating stuff. Uh, so if we're going to study and we want to make it effective, your first rule is basically you got to space it out. Study, give it some time so you can forget some stuff, then restudy. And by doing that, you'll your retention will go up. Exactly. That's huge. I mean, that really, boy, that's good to know. I usually, and, and again, you're not, you're not, you're also a believer of, of, um, of what's it called? Uh, cramming. Cramming. But yes. but if you cram, so if you do a little study and then cram, it's even twice as effective. It's much more effective. Maybe yeah. not twice. Well, I'm not going to give you the numbers. Um, <laughs> you're the you're the professor. You do the numbers. Okay, tell us about this desirable difficulty thing. What's that all about? So it goes back to what we were talking about about performing versus learning, and a lot of times when you want to learn the most, what you need to do is challenge yourself the most. You need to fail and you need to struggle. Well, Mm. what happens when you challenge yourself is you make mistakes. So, for example, if I give myself sort of an easy test, I might not learn that much from it, but I'll do really well on the test. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If I give myself a much harder test, I'll, I'll do worse. But as I then learn from my mistakes, I might 
learn more. And so that's what that's the desirable difficulties. The idea is make it hard while you're learning and you'll perform worse. That's, but you'll learn but, more. Yeah, you'll retain more. In the future you'll perform better. It, you know? That's that's huge. We don't make it it's interesting. So if say if learning is uh, equated or, or kind of paralleled or correlates with failure, then in order to learn more, we have to make failure more acceptable. Yes, and that's very difficult. I, yeah. Can I tell a little story yeah, about do. that? So there was a, um, a colleague of mine who visited a, a classroom in, um, I forget, I think it was in Japan, and the teacher put a problem on the board that he knew the students couldn't solve because he had not taught them how, and he said, work on this. And they worked on it diligently, and they couldn't figure out the answer, but they, they made progress, and they really thought through it, and they understood the question very well. And then he explained how to do it. So the, this friend of mine, or this colleague of mine, thought this was really amazing. So he came back to the U.S., and he's like, I'm going to try this. It's going to be great. He tried it, and with, he said within like one minute, he had a revolt. As soon as he put the question up, they're like, you can't ask us that. This is not fair. What a crock. Take that question down. Yeah. You're the worst How teacher. You do this to us? Yeah. And, Isn't you know, that his, interesting? His attitude was, well, it doesn't matter whether you perform well today in class, whether you get it right or not. That's irrelevant. The point is to learn and get better at this. But it's very ingrained, for better or worse, that when you're in school, you should be able to succeed. Yeah. And, of course, we don't want kids to leave school thinking they're failures. That's, that's right. That would be the worst thing because unless we actually to learn yeah. is more important. But you you have to somehow find a way to, to get kids to accept challenges. Well, because they'll learn more. Oh, I, I heard a study somewhere about when people take those just those silly little assessments that are like in the ma- in magazines, like a, a woman's magazine or whatever, People magazine. Hey, take this assessment about you and your partners, whatever. I mean, all of a sudden, I've heard that people even alter those so as not to look like they didn't mm-hmm. know. Or people are erasing yeah. in the in the on the puzzles in the in the paper. I mean, we yeah. we're so afraid to <laughs> fail that we're I mean, not I've actually had, learning. I've had somebody come in to do a study in my lab, and. It's how they do is totally irrelevant. They're, they're going to walk out of here. It's anonymous. No one will ever know. And I find crumpled up behind the desk that they've written down all the answers oh, and then gotten goodness. all the answers right and then thrown it behind the desk. It's completely anonymous. There's no point. Yeah. But they want to succeed. And, and you know, that's, that's natural, but it's also something that we have to, to worry about. And, sure. You know, if you look at... Um, how, how students are asked questions in school. Like, for example, if you look at spelling lists, a lot of times you'll see a spelling list where you might have, like, the list with the double O's. So you'll have the word spoon yeah. and moon, etc. And it's kind of like, in order to, to... Then the kid takes the test. All they have to do on that test is say, oh, it's the double O test. So if you hear the word moon... Yeah, we know. You yeah. might think, I think it's spelled M-U-N-E, but I know there's a double O test, so it must be M-O-O-N. Yeah. You can solve it without knowing right. anything. Dedu- it's like deductive. You're not learning. You just know have deductive reasoning or whatever. All yeah. you've learned is You're oh, double O test. Options. You haven't learned how to spell the word moon at all. And, and, you know, that makes it easier. The students do better and everyone's happy. The only problem is in the long run, they're not benefiting oh, man. as much. Okay. Hey, uh, Nate, I want to go to one of our callers. We have Rob uh, calling from Houston who has a question about how to, how to maybe help a, a three-year-old. Rob, are you there? I am. How are you? You bet. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. Great to be here. You bet. What's your question for Nate? Well, Nate, I've got uh, 
uh, you know, I'm a, an under 30 parent with three children under four. My oldest is three years old. And, uh, and probably like all young parents are, I think my kids are the, the brightest in the world. Sure, course. for sure. Uh, and, and what I guess I want to know is we're very busy with the young kids and everything going on. And I find that we don't have as much time as we used to. Kind of teach our, our daughter the ABCs and, and read to her and those kinds of things. So there some type of study habit or something that we should pursue or direction we should go so that she can have a good foundation from here going forward as we're going to have less and less time growing up. Mm. Great question. Kind that of like, what's the foundation? And you have three kids. How old are yours, Nate? Uh, my youngest is three, and then I have a five and a, and a nine. Okay, so you know. Yeah. Um, what's the foundation you'd, you'd lay down for study habits? Learning. You know what? I think, I think um, the research would suggest the best thing to do is to read with your kid and, most important, talk to your kid. Um, you know, and, what? And talk to your kid in like a intelligent way, yeah. not like you're trying to teach. See, the thing is with kids, kids are so smart. You really don't have to teach a kid very much right. um, before they're, kindergarten. They'll do it naturally, won't they? They're going to figure it out. So if they, if they learn their ABCs and they can count to 10 by the time they hit kindergarten, you know, there are other things, but, but those, are, those are the things you want to work on. And so as a, as a parent, my, my attitude, I mean, my kids go to preschool, so they, they have, and they have a wonderful preschool, and they, they get all this stuff. But they also have fun. And my attitude is the number one most important thing for any kid at that age is to not get turned off, mm. not have to do any kind of homework or feel like it's work at all. They don't need training. What they, if, what they need to do is just be interacting with their parents and their, and their family and their friends. Love that. I mean, they really, that seems like that's what everybody needs. Um, that's such a yeah. great thing. Not get turned off by learning. And, and, you know, and make it, let it kind of, let their natural approach, let their nature kick in for being a learner. Good stuff. We're talking with Dr. Nate Cornell, Assistant Professor of Psychology at Williams uh, Williams College. We're going to come back. We've got a bunch of other questions, plus he's got a a ton of other wonderful ideas for us. Uh, Bill, who's hanging on the phone, hang on through the break. We're going to come back and get to Bill. We also would love to take any other callers. Do you have a question for a professor who understands learning? If you have questions about your kids, issues that you'd love us to uh, to address with Dr. Nate Cornell, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break right here on BYU Radio. We don't need no thought control. Welcome back, everybody. To the Matt Townsend Show. A little Pink Floyd for you. We don't need no education. Apparently, we just we need some learning. Uh, and sometimes maybe our, you know, our very method, whether formal or informal, of how we go about studying, you know, how we learn to study, what we think learning is about, maybe it's impacting our ability to actually learn. Apparently, learning is about failing. Learning, uh, according to our guest, Dr. Nate Cornell, is about changing what you know. And to change what you know, you know, you got to fail, right? You got to have some failure involved in that. Sometimes we're measuring only success and only accepting success, not necessarily learning. We're going to take, let's let's hold on the calls for a sec. I want to get Dr. Nate Cornell back. He's an assistant professor of psychology at Williams College. 
Now, he's a cognitive psychologist, and so he has been researching learning and memory as they relate to our education. He's got a Ph.D. from Columbia, done some postdoctoral work and a fellowship at UCLA. He writes for Psychology Today. Again, honestly, very interesting stuff. Uh, Dr. Cornell, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. When, um, when you get into this, I mean, it seems like... A lot of times as parents, we're blaming, you know, a lot of the teachers, you know, for for all of this is is really good learning. Would you say is it dependent on good teaching? Well, there's definitely a strong relationship. Having good teachers uh, makes a huge difference Um, in, you know, and it has to do with how students learn, but also how they orient towards learning and whether they're inspired to learn. Uh, Those are extremely important Hmm. issues. Yeah. What um, let's let's take a caller here. Bill from Boise has a question for you um, about uh, SQR three. Bill, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, how Thanks. are you? Taking my cup. You What's Great. your question for Doctor Cornell? Well, I I was in prep school in the early eighties and was taught this SQR three method, which was scan, question, and then read it three times. Whatever the yeah, chapter or thing was, and and the hardest part for me was the the sub level of the you know the, the the question part. There is there weren't always questions in in the chapter. Maybe that's a second question for you, but it seemed like that was it was supposed to be this great method to learn the material. Just want to get your thought about that because yeah. I have four boys and um, one's out of college now, but the others are are you know looking to me for some help, and I didn't know if that, uh, Is, that's a useful methodology or not. Great question, Bill. Hang on the line. We'll get you a, a book uh, so you can go scan, question, and read three times. <laughs> Hang on the line. Dr. Cornell, is that the way we go about? So if I've got to go read a, a chapter you know, of, of a book, is, is that the method that's still you know, validated? Well, SQR3 is, is one, one technique that it, it does have um, some really good elements to it, and, and I think the hardest one is probably the most important, which is the, the cue part, the question. Yeah. You know, if you, if, you, um, if you really understand something well enough, a lot of times you can find questions to ask about it. And, and you know, as you get deeper into the meaning of something, you start saying to yourself, like, okay, well, what, what is the assumption here? What, or what does this imply for this other thing? And, mm. and so on. And so... Um, asking questions and being asked questions can be a really, really effective way of learning because it makes you think about what's important. It seems like you really, you'd need to do it more like S, R, Q, R, Q, 2. I mean, it seems like you need to read, question, read, question, read, question. And there are are a bunch of studies. So there's there's actually a, a large literature forming now in the last decade or so about the benefits of tests. And it goes way back 100 years ago. Mm. But, but basically what it shows is that once you've read something once, taking a test on it is a far more effective way to learn than rereading it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's much better. So, you know, SQR3 has you scan and then question before you start the real sure. reading. But a lot of times it goes the other way around, and it can be effective that way too. That. Read and then question. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see even questions at the end of the chapter or, mm-hmm. you know, in your textbooks, et cetera. People usually skip over those, at least, 
that's my experience. Yeah. And, um, they can be useful. SQR3 takes it a, a step further, which is come up with your own questions, uh, which is even more yeah, it seems even time-consuming better. and difficult, but it's even better. Well, I, I love the idea. So go through, I guess, SQR3 to some degree, then test, fail, then go back and correct. And find the answer. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. I love that. So, there, and there are, you know, these studies have been done in, in middle schools, and they've been done with college students, and they've been done in labs and in, in real educational settings. Hmm. Over and over again, um, what you find is two things. One, once you've read something, reading it again can often be kind of a waste of time. Oh, tell me and about second, it. And second, yeah, <laughs> second, taking a test on it is not a waste of time. And in fact, if you take a test on it, then go reread, it can, that second rereading after the test can help. It's like it's almost like you're bringing up um, because the idea of reading, I guess, would obviously inherently mean retention. But um, I'm going to retain something more that I have to fight through the questions on than I would if I just regurgitated it is is do we all just have our own style in the end? I mean, in the end, I'd really rather listen to it. Look right. at it, look at it, be tested on it, listen to it again. You know, it, it seems like we all would have a style, and I know learning styles have been really, you know, out there as a, as a key. We all have our own different style of learning. Is is that real? Well, <laughs> the bottom line is we're not sure, but it doesn't seem like it is. Um, but it in a specific way. So the the idea behind learning styles is kind of this idea that some people are sort of more visual and some are more verbal and some might be more auditory, et cetera. Right. Well, that is absolutely true. Some people are more visual than other people. Some people have more of a better spatial sense and some people have, et cetera. It's true that we have things we're good at. But here's the question. Because you have something you're good at, does that mean... Oh, that's how you, you process learn learning. That yeah. way. Right. See, again, it's learning versus performance. Right. The, way, the thing that helps you perform the best might be visual, but that doesn't mean you're going to be- learn better. Yeah. It's visual. almost more like exactly. what they're talking about are intelligences. So I'm, I'm sure you've gotten into that a little bit. Like some, some have spatial intelligence, some have social intelligence, some have emotional yeah. intelligence, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that's your best learning. That's, exactly. It doesn't necessarily correlate to your best learning. Think about the idea of desirable difficulties. The idea there is giving people challenges makes them learn more. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you're a visual person, the most challenging thing might be taking a, learning something in a different <laughs> That's way. That's so true. And yeah. so, you know, it really, once you start thinking things that way, you start questioning a lot of these assumptions about kind of matching what someone's good at yeah. with, how you te- with how you teach them. So, the, I mean, with learning styles... More research needs to be done, but there was a big review article recently that looked at all the evidence that, that you should match learning with, you know, teaching with someone's, you know, inborn style. Right, yeah. And there was just zero evidence that that helped. Isn't that? Because it's funny, like, as parents, it seems like we try to do everything we can to facilitate or to make easier our child's learning and growth and development, when in reality, maybe they learn more if we just let them, you know, you know, bump up against right. the wall a little bit. And, you know, and uh, yeah. You don't exactly. want to harm them. them. You don't want to slow them down and impede them. But that's the parent, parental dilemma, especially when your kids are older. You know, when you have teenagers and they're, they're potentially going to go out and get into trouble, 
do you want them to do you want to just pretend that's not happening right or do you want to kind of yeah go, go there and let's talk and about let, it let and let's that, you know you know they're going to make mistakes and you know they're going to have to learn from their own mistakes that's just that's just life totally so how bad do you want the mistakes to be <laughs> man you are dr cornell you're blowing up some serious uh myths in my head no wonder it took me so long to get these degrees where have you been all my life uh let's go to cindy in gilbert i believe arizona cindy welcome to the matt townsend show thank you you bet you got a question for the good doc well it goes right along with what you're saying i have children four to 19 years old Mm. so i've got preschool to college actually a couple on missions right now wow and of twins and uh and boys and girls, and all of them are, are different kinds of students. And I think that's the challenge for me as a parent. How do I best help my children become independent learners? That's a great question. And so I have some that are great students. And I don't have, I mean, my daughter woke up at 3.30, sets her alarm, studies for a test, goes what? back to bed. How old is she? She's, she's 15. Oh, my <laughs> word. Good for her. She's a saint. She understands. She needs sleep. She understands. She needs exercise. She wants to be involved in a lot of things. <laughs> that and is then so I have cool. Other kids that just need a little pushing or oh, you know, encouragement yeah. are always coming after me. But I need help and can't focus to do it on their own when you know they. It's just they're tired. But yeah. what I you know what I'm hoping is, you know, is it mean for me to say you know this is your homework? <laughs> yeah. And lady, you, you need to do it, and I can give you some clues, but I really don't remember how to do all of your math without spending a good hour restudying it. <laughs> so focus, yeah. I just get the sister involved, and then I have her tutor. But uh-huh. I, you know, and and I've watched my older kids go from not so independent to now mm-hmm. college students, and and they've done actually well in college. It's actually. a great, it's a great well. question, Cindy. Independent learners. Um, what do you think, Dr. Cornell? How how do you facilitate kind of their independence in this process? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm not as experienced a parent. My my oldest is nine, but so I think I have a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll but, need to call Cindy later. Exactly. <laughs> I think we have this backwards. But but you know, um, I think this goes back again to the idea that when when the kids are younger. It's not really about packing their head with information. It's about letting them come to it. You know, they have to come to school rather than the other way around. That can yeah. be very hard to get a kid to want to wanna get into math or to get into reading. But, um, you know, the constant struggle is should I force the kid to do it and they're going to hate that or should I let them not do it or should I let them fail? And, if you, you, you know, you just sort of have to strike a balance. But um, as a parent who is running out of time to help the kids with homework, my, my personal attitude is if the kids can't get the homework done, but you can at least get them to try and to try at a level of trying to understand it rather than just trying to solve the problem set, mm, yeah. that is a huge step because so often, I mean, every student does this and they all do it for the same reason and I do it at work. You, you have so many things you have to get done that you don't have time to take the long route. You've right. you got to just get it done. And so if you can find a way to solve these problems without understanding any of them, great. You know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, that is not time well spent because in the, 
on the midterm or the final, you're not going to know get the information right. Well, and especially in a, in a subject like math that might be more progressive, that's or that's going to keep building on itself. That was mm-hmm. my. I, I literally, I could get it done. I could do their jump through their little hoop. I could go to the back of the book and copy down every other answer, which was the answer, and right. guess uh, on the rest. And I guess, hey, I guess I missed half of them. Um, but in the end, I didn't know what to do in the next version in yeah. the in the you know in the next level of math right because because you're just trying to solve a problem and you're just looking for any any route to it and the, and and here's the terrible irony and I've experienced this too is that if you just slowed down and said let me actually try to understand what this is you might find that you spend 10 minutes doing that and then all the questions become easy instead right. of struggling with each one and not understanding it for an hour oh yeah um, but that's very hard to do. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know how to get kids to do that. No, well, and it's, I really think too, it's, um, uh, this is kind of, this is, this is the age old issue of motivation too. How do you motivate the kids? And yep. like you said, kind of meet them where they are, but every, every kid, or you said, let them come to it. Every kid's going to, they've got to do it their way. They've got to yeah. figure out their way. And so maybe as a parent, you could, you know, just keep trying until we find what their way is. And you can try to model the right behaviors and stuff. One thing that um, a lot of people are paying a lot of attention to right now, including the White House, is um, getting getting kids to focus on the fact that they can improve and that they can learn, hmm. rather than focusing on the idea that they are what they are. A lot of you know, it's very common for a kid to say like, "I can't do math. I just can't oh, do yeah. it. I was not me. a math totally." Person. And the fact is. You can't, you know, there are limits. Everybody has their limits. But 99% of the time when someone says that, they could do it. Or at least it would definitely help them if they believed in themselves. Because the attitude that that I'm not a math person is just an attitude that I'm not going to try. Right. That's your out. And, And if you feel like you're not a math person, you may find math harder than other people. But what you have to remember is you can learn so much more than you ever realize. There's a lot of data, a lot of research has shown that people always underestimate how much they can learn, mm. how much better they can get. And you, you sort of have to just keep remembering that I can learn, I can learn, I can learn. Having that attitude as a student can be hard, but can be really important. Oh, I totally agree. And I mean, it can help you when you hit a challenge, when you hit a roadblock, you're like, I can overcome this instead of saying, I got to give up. I, I think... And I learned that myself um, because what I thought was math, like I, I could really add really fast in my head. I had a lot of great skills of, uh, uh, that were really math skills, but there were certain forms of math that I don't, I didn't think kind of intuitively that way. So th- then you kind of just need to dig in a little harder, have somebody that can maybe teach it to you in your language. Um, and I love the idea too that we let's not let's not argue for our weaknesses. Um, let's let's take a break. Can you hang on one more break with us, Doctor Cornell? Yes. We we have some more callers on the line. I'd love to get those. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Doctor Nate Cornell, assistant professor of psychology at Williams College. He's teaching us the art of learning. Hello, the art of study, the art of actually getting learning into our brains, actually figuring out. Through failure, believe it or not, and through change and some of the better, healthier methods to uh, to acquire uh, and facilitate learning. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, the Jackson 5 had it when it came to the education system. ABCs. One, two, threes. It's that easy. Right, Sky? Yeah, I want to hear you sing along. You know, I would. My throat's a little raspy. A little raspy today. A little raspy. Normally, though, you would? Normally, I would be just screaming. I bet you do a good Michael Jackson impression. Oh, please. <laughs> you know what? I grew up watching this. I know you got the dance moves. Oh, for I've sure. I've seen that. And I even have their outfits with bell bottoms and uh, all that other fun stuff. Hey, folks, today we're talking about studying, study habits, learning. And we're, what we're trying to do, apparently there's some old wives tales um, about how people learn. Um, we're trying to debunk some of those myths. Dr. Nate Cornell is joining us. He's an assistant professor of psychology at Williams College. He's a cognitive psychologist, and he's been researching learning and memory for years, especially how they relate to education. He received his Ph.D. from Columbia University in 2005. He did a postdoctoral fellowship at UCLA. He himself is trying to raise his own little pups and uh, teach him how to learn and study. Um, he also writes for Psychology Today, the blog, uh, Everybody is Stupid Except You. Dr. Cornell, welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Um, so just some basic learnings that, uh, that I, you know, can't get enough of. Number one, space out your studies. Don't just try to cram it all in at once. Space it out. Even if you cram a second time, having read and studied earlier and then cramming, that's going to help. Another one is uh, you talked about, uh, desirable difficulty, which is simply the idea of it should be hard. And the harder it is, the more prone you are to actually be learning. Is that accurate? Yep. Which general, is, I mean, there's there I mean, are limits to that. To a limit, way. yeah. So you know, yeah. You shouldn't be torturing somebody, <laughs> right? Like you shouldn't just read a blank book and try to make it up, or you know, don't read with your eyes closed. But you know, yeah. general. Huge. Uh, so those are a few recall things that might improve some of our recall. We have a caller on the line from Bluffdell, Utah, Doctor Cornell, who has a question for you. Christina, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, Christina? I'm good. Good. Welcome to the show. What uh, what question do you have for Dr. Cornell about studying? Well, my question was about recall. I love to learn and I love to study. I'm constantly reading and uh, trying to learn new things. What I struggle with is recalling the things that I have been learning. Okay. Great question, Christina. Okay, Doc, how do we improve recall? I guess spacing well, that, it out. Spacing it out helps. I mean, the things that we've talked about help. Um, if you could kind of write out a little test for yourself, you know it would be great. Like you read a book, you, hi- you, you write an outline of the main points, and then six months later just try to recreate that outline and then go read it. Check it out. Huh. Um, see what it says. There, the thing about it is you need, to, you need to, if you want to be able to recall things in the long term, you need to give yourself multiple chances to understand them and, and to go back to them. And so, you know, you're not, you're not going to go read the same book again that you read a year ago because that's kind of boring. Right. There, are, there are other books in the sea. But you need to plan ahead at the time when you read it the first time so that you'll be able to refresh your memory later. Because really, learning is not about learning. It's really about relearning. That, that's Nobody what you're kind of hitting, isn't it? Yeah. You learn, time. you relearn, yeah. You have to relearn. We're all going to forget it unless we go over it a bunch of times. And so 
set yourself up to relearn, and you're going to have a much more much better chance of recalling something. So multiple chances, uh, it's kind of like, and multiple touches. It seems like if if I was if like if I was listening or reading a book. I always make a lot of notes. So the books I really want to remember, I make a lot of notes in the book, yep. which is just seemingly, I guess that's more touches, isn't it? Well, then, well, first of all, just writing, just taking notes itself mm. can keep you more on task. There are studies that show that that is helpful, even if you never go back and look at the notes. Okay. Second, if you go back and look at the notes, you get you get an abbreviated way of, of, of yeah, assimilating. looking at it yeah. again. Yes. Yeah. It's it's I mean it seems so obvious, doesn't it? But really, well, and it's obvious, and yet and yet it's hard. That's yeah, the problem. That's it, isn't it? It takes effort and time. What? Um, we've only got a couple minutes left, but what if you're finding yourself not interested in what you're studying? Yeah. Maybe not even challenged by it. How do you? How do you challenge yourself when it's not what you like, it's not what you want, you're jumping through a hoop, you're pleasing the Board of Education? How do you stay interested? Um, You know what? Rock and roll music. There's a lot of research on um, what makes people motivated to do things that they don't want to do. And some of these are things that are, are easier to change about yourself than others. You know, you can't change your hair color, right? but there are things you can do. And it, one, of the, one of the concepts that's been big just lately in the psychology world is this idea of grit. People talk a lot about grit and how um, things that you can do to make a student look at learning as the way an athlete looks at training, that makes them want to fight through the, the struggles, you know, mm. and um, invest themselves in it rather than seeing it as completely coming from the outside. I think those are the kind of things that can help motivation a little bit. Um, you know, if you're studying something that's completely boring and you feel like it's pointless and irrelevant and it's just being forced upon you, um, there's, it's going to be very hard to be gritty and, to, and yeah. to continue to give it a lot of effort. But if you look at it like a challenge, that helps. Yeah, and it seems like that'll be the knowledge without the grit, stick to if you can't tie it to your higher purpose, higher values, higher goals or whatever, that seems like the knowledge that's going to slip away anyway. Well, that's the other thing. If it if you're right and it doesn't matter for you, you're never going to revisit it because it's not just a matter. <laughs> so maybe this is this is data that you can maybe just get through. Well, that's the thing. Is sometimes you just got to get through it. That's Love it. that's the fact of school. Well, I I tell you, doc, I think uh I think you've helped a lot of people. Um We've never had the lines light up so quickly because people want to improve for themselves as well as uh, their children, their families. So, Dr. Nate Cornell, thank you so much for joining us. And make sure, so Nate, they can just follow you at at Nate Cornell, K-O-R-N-E-L-L on Twitter, right? That's right. Appreciate you, my friend. We're going to have to have you back and uh, pick your brain more about learning. Well, thanks very much for having me. It was great. Take care. Uh, Good stuff, Dr. Nate Cornell. Man, see, you know, I like smart people that can help us be smarter. Man, that's cool stuff. Okay, we're taking a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to come back and and give you some tools with Dr. Paul Jenkins on how to refresh yourself, you know, in the middle of study, how you get your mind back, how you refresh. If you have some questions for Dr. Jenkins about, you know, staying focused, getting, you know, 
fresh, getting your mind back while you're uh, in doing any kind of intensive activity, give us a call. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking learning. We're talking study habits. We've, this has been this has been a fun show for me. At first, I was like, "Man, how do you do a show on studying?" And then I was doing it with a bunch of students that don't study or don't like to study, and then they all had an attitude. But I think we've adjusted it now. But now the great good doctor Paul Jenkins is joining us. He likes to be called the man, the myth, the legend. That's what I like to be called. Or you can just call him clinical psychologist and a PhD, doctorate of philosophy. But you didn't really take philosophy, did you? I had philosophy classes. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But it's all psychology. See? That's what, that's, that can either mess you up or save your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's true. Uh, but you, you also have a great podcast, Live on Purpose. Live on Purpose Radio. Radio.com. Yeah. I keep... Uh, I keep, mm-hmm. I keep saying I'm going to go help or be on that show, and I think he never invites me. But then he actually invites me every time he comes on the show, <laughs> and then we never get to it. Yeah, we'll get it done. We'll get it done after we go get sushi. Um, there you go. Anyway, DrPaulJenkins.com is where you can find him. Dr. P, do they call you PJ? Who they, calls you PJ? Yeah. Well, my dad used to call me PJ. Did he really? That's cute. That's endearing. <laughs> Can I call you PJ? I've got it monogrammed on my PJs. <laughs> on those footsies of yours. <laughs> right. So what do you think? Um, like we've been talking about studying. It's mm-hmm. exhausting. You get tired. Sky here has four midterms. He's not a happy man. He's angry. And if he hadn't received today in the mail his little card for his scuba certification, uh, which somehow validated part of who he is. Yeah. If he hadn't received that... He, he'd probably be going nuts right now. Mm-hmm. How do we rejuvenate in the midst of major stress, major tension? So you're on to something important here, Matt. Let's go. And we call it homework uh, for a reason. Yeah, I hate that. Okay, it's work. Yeah, but it should be easier. Now, you can go out and bust up rocks in the backyard, and that's work too. But this exactly. is mental work, mm-hmm. and it expends energy. And it taxes your system. And some of us feel like okay. failures because we're not passing the test. Right, Sky? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm passing. And some are in denial, <laughs> Dr. P. I think he's thriving. Look at that. He's, yeah. a, he's a smart cat. He's going to be a doctor. Yeah. So someday he'll be burning a ward off your body. That's probably true. <laughs> That's why I'm going to school. Yep, that right doesn't now. bring warm <laughs> for fuzzies. That privilege, for that right, privilege, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know what? You could right now go open up your own shop burning off warts. You don't need an MD for that. Really? I mm-hmm. can do that? Sure. Well, I'm taking Do it out of the back of your car. <laughs> See how that goes. Under the authority of Matt Townsend. Drive around the campus. <laughs> you hey, you got, got a it. wart. Um, so, Paul, okay, how do we create that? How so do we decrease the stress? Well, it's work. So keeping that in mind, let's, let's maintain and manage the system that's doing the work. And that is your mind. Yeah. Now, here's where here's where some people lose track of this because your brain is actually part of your body. Brain, body, 
Now, is that your mind? Well, your mind, I, I make a distinction between brain and mind. Yeah, I like that. Okay, brain is an organ in your body. Sure. It's in your cranium. Tangible brain. Yeah. You it's can in, tap inside it. inside your skull. Right. It's a thing. Yep. Okay, and it operates on physiological principles. That's important to yep. remember. So if you're not sleeping, it's going to impact the body. So the, the mind is you. That's your identity. All right, so we you. might call that the spirit yep. or the persona. or It's the you inside of there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Go right to the brain, for starters. When you're exercising any part of your body, it's good to make sure that you've got adequate nutrition, you're getting proper rest. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't happen like during midterms. It doesn't right. happen during stressful times of life. And I think we've developed a culture where where there's some kind of a value placed on just pushing the limits. Yeah. You're you cool know, if you do a lot. Push right on through. Keep keep going, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. And then we have people burning out and getting disengaged from their jobs, from their relationships, falling apart. Totally, on us. I totally agree. So rejuvenation. Let's talk about that. Now the word itself mm. has got to mean something. Well, look at the root of the word. Juventud is what it is in Spanish. Wonderful. And what youth. does that mean? I mean? That means youth. Youth. Juventude. Yeah. Rejuvenate. So it's, re-youth. it's the same root as the word juvenile. Yeah. Skyboard. So rejuvenate means to make young again. That's huge. Right. How would you like to have a young brain? Oh, man. Yeah. I well, in some that. ways, right? Well, but yeah. But you want you want that freshness, that... Keep your experience, but add the freshness, the energy, mm. the vitality of youth. So to rejuvenate it, there's a couple of things that are really pretty straightforward and easy to do. Number one, take your free time seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like when you're in prison, you miss your free time. <laughs> When you're out of prison, it's it's an important thing, and you probably would focus differently. Well, you do focus differently, and there are studies that show this, as you give your mind a break. Now, by a break, I'm talking complete disconnection. You mean, you mean like— From the material. Okay, so you'd get away from the material, and you'd probably go to Netflix. Perhaps. Or Sky, for example, goes to Deer Hunter 2014, mm-hmm. which is an app. Oh, there it is. Now there's a couple <laughs> there's a couple of ways that you can rejuvenate and recreation is one of those mm-hmm. ways. Exercise is another. And they're both important. Yeah. So you're you're actually taking care of the physiological organ of your brain when you're exercising. Yeah. Now you're there's obvious other physical benefits to that. But we're talking about the most vital organ in your body. So here's here's a quick strategy. Let's say you're a student. Or you've got a student in your home if you're a parent. Right. What if you were to arrange the study time in half-hour chunks and then use this tool, 25-5? 25 minutes of focused attention to the work and then five minutes of complete disconnection. Yeah, you stand up, get away from it, walk around, go around the block, get a snack, play a game for five minutes and then back on task. Just the discipline. I think what a great discipline practice. Mm-hmm. 25 and literally set a timer. Bing. Done. Right. Five minutes. Play. Back. Set it. Go. Right. Set the timer because you don't want your brain to have to be worried about, well, yeah. you know, monitoring the time. See, I'd have a harder time, time getting time back to where I was. 
I kind of like once mm-hmm. I get it going, I need to keep going. Yes, and there's some truth to that. But it's also really healthy for your mind to to disengage yeah. from that and rejuvenate, and then you come back on it. Now, the next 25 minutes are going to be more productive yeah. than they would have been had you not taken the break. And it seems like we were talking earlier that when you take those breaks, um, mm-hmm. it actually it helps, it helps create some space. And the space then, you have to almost re-tie back to it, and it seems to tie down some of your learning more. It, yeah, it does help to encode things differently. Because you're, 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 yeah, you're restarting. But the efficiency, the energy, the vitality that that brings to the table, love that. far outweighs anything you're going to lose in five minutes away from your homework. Well, let me give you a similar example that uh, Sky uses. Um, he reads a, he'll read a paragraph, and then he puts a, um, he puts a, what are they called? A gummy bear at the end of every paragraph. So every paragraph, mm-hmm. gummy bear break. Every paragraph, gummy bear break. Okay. It's really nice when they're short paragraphs. Yeah. Like now, a sentence. Uh, what, his well, freshman year, he gained 48 pounds. Mm-hmm. The freshman 48 mm-hmm. is what the freshman call. 48, they call mm-hmm. it. And his head, his, he had a lot of fatty in his head. Mm-hmm. So then we, we said, no, I'd move it to every about three paragraphs, gummy bear. <laughs> so he's, he's lost 30 pounds. And that's, that's part of the strategy here is to give yourself an anticipated reward yeah. because the break is seen by your your brain right. as a reward as it's like it's like halftime yeah <sighs> breather get some water catch your breath take a, get knee. a drink <laughs> right see that okay. so that's the brain work huh but that's only yeah. half of the equation what about the mind there's got to be a way to rejuvenate through the mind well and the mind is all about what you're thinking yeah what you're thinking, your perspective, how you see things. And before when I was on the show, we talked about positivity. Yeah, I love that. The, and that's the like, You did all those peas. You had the perpetual <laughs> pea, uh, what'd you call it? Uh, Polly picked a peck of peckled pickled peppers. Wasn't that what you did? <laughs> yeah, I think you remembered it exactly. Is that how it goes? How, how would you say it? Pathological positivity. Yeah. Is what I call it. Yeah, that was good. And then you had kind of an alliteration. Well, it's a programmed proclivity to purposefully opt for the positive from a plethora of possible perceptions. Pathological positivity programs and positions us to perceive positive possibilities in painful problems. It inspires and provokes people to apply positive principles and practices, even in paralyzing predicaments. Powerful. Well, perhaps you've picked up on this point that our planet is plagued with a pandemic of poisonous pessimism. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah, you got me going. That, uh, again, amazes me. I've never heard that <laughs> many peas. But in the mere fact but that you remember. listen to the it, message behind it. Yeah, there was actually a very good message. There's a choice on how we view our circumstance. For example, let's take a look at the studying. Okay, if you're in school. I have to go to school. Prison. I have to get my homework done. Feel the captivity? Oh, yeah. Teacher makes me. What if we change that to choice? I choose to be oppressed by my teacher and my school. (laughs) You mean like that? Yeah. Maybe a little adjustment. Okay, see that? We got to adjust it up. Yeah. I choose this. Yeah. I own this. This is I mine. Ch- I own it. I choose it. This is what I want. What if you really don't? Well, is that true? But the, yeah, and this is but this is what you're still choosing to do. 
So you're even if you so it's I guess it's one thing in elementary or, or high school you kind of are, you have to do it do what your parents say. So Matt, tell me that you don't want to do your homework. I don't want to do my homework. Dad. Then don't. Well, then you'll kill me, and then you won't let me take the car. So what's your choice? Well, I could go live at Aunt Stacy's. <laughs> You're looking for a way out. See, look at I, this is me not wanting to own it. But see, that's a great question because if you'll just let the kid go down the road, that's one of your rules. I will never forget mm. is just let it, just okay. So go to the worst scenario. Just go there. Just play it out in your play mind. Answer out. those what ifs. Yeah, and let's He'll see where it, it takes out. us. Okay, so what if you don't do your homework? Well, then I'll look stupid. Okay, that's all right. At school tomorrow. Well, and you'll be mad. I know you'll be mad. I'm okay not doing my homework, but you'll be mad because the report card will come, mm-hmm. and then you'll be like, "See, Dad," or you'll uh, say, "Okay, see? so parents, what if we let our kids own this?" Oh, I love that. What if it's more important to them than it is to us? I know, but what if really? Mm-hmm. They are okay with that. Okay, but you can't let them fail, Paul. Have you not? Are you not a parent? That's an interesting concept. What does it even mean to let them fail? <sighs> if they fail, like it's up to you. Yeah, right. Like, like you're saying it anyway. <laughs> They're gonna Has fail. anybody's kid ever failed without permission? That's right. You are not allowed to fail. <laughs> it's but that's our fear, huh? It's all coming out yeah. of this fear. See, we think that's our job to make sure that our kids don't fail. Mm-mm. When actually, and, and in reality, look at your own experience with this. Where have you learned the most failure. in your life? From failure, mistakes. Everyone. Why? Well, because it was real, and it was yeah. painful, and it, it seemed painful. to dig it deep. It cost you something. Yeah. And that drives the learning home. You want to talk about recall? Add pain. <laughs> yeah. No, tell you me. You know what I mean? You'll remember anything that there was pain associated with. Exactly. So we get a little uptight sometimes about the processes mm-hmm. without, and we miss the principles. I love that. So allowing the child to own it or own it yourself. If you're in this position, you know, oh, I have to do this. Oh, really? Well, what if you don't? Yeah. And then your mind will bring to your awareness all of the consequences that are so distasteful to you that you're choosing to do this. What could possibly get you to do this hard thing? Well, you want to avoid all of the negative consequences of not right. doing it. Well, and by processing it, you actually make it your own choice. It is your choice. Yeah, I mean, because at first they were thinking, no, the school makes me, the teachers, mom, dad. But yeah. the minute you make them process, not make them, but the minute you create a system where they can process it, they can go through all the different what ifs. Exactly. And then. It's your choice, son. If that's what you want, go for it. Just being able to ask that question implies Mm -hmm. that it's a choice. What would happen if I didn't? Yeah. Well, that implies that that's a possibility. But see, it's almost like – I think a lot of parents try that as reverse psychology. Well, Mm. fine, don't. I mean, if you want to be a loser and probably never make any money and die living in a gutter, probably doing drugs, Mm -hmm. go ahead. We throw it out like, but it, it's a reverse psychology that that we're the parents still trying to manipulate. You're actually saying – don't be manipulative here. Just let them go explore the iterate. Go let them iterate and go through each level of this thing. And this doesn't mean that you sit down as a parent and remove all of the motivations that you're yeah. building in for your child to do what right. it is that you've asked them to do. I still remember a time when my son came to me and he said, Dad, can I go to this party? Well, I found out a little bit about the party. I didn't feel comfortable with right. that. And so I said, son, you don't have my permission to go. And like, he's like, well, what does so that mean? <laughs> can I go or not? I said, that's up to you. 
Yeah. I mean, if you want to be the devil, you don't have my position. You don't have my permission to go. Now, he was smart enough to do the math. You know what I mean? Add it up. Because he thought through, wait a minute. Okay, so dad's saying it's up to me, but he says he didn't give me his permission. What's going to happen if I go without his permission? That's great. Well, there's going to be some consequences. He knows that. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm not telling him he can't go. That would be a lie. Well, plus he's asking. So he might even have his own doubt. Right. Like, Dad, I have my kids, they'll say, they'll call and say, hey, so can I sleep over at John's? And just the question doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I always ask, do you want to sleep over at John's? Mm -hmm. And if he's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I'm like, nope, get home right now. Because the doubt is... No. It triggers something for you. If he wants to sleep over, he'll call and say, hey, I'm sleeping over at John's. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? I want that. And I can hear it. It's in there. Sure. I love that. But you empower them to own it that way. See, that's the whole thing you're saying is you choose choose it. Choose the feeling. Now, notice that I didn't say you can choose without consequences. There's a real consequence. Because this is a real life principle, Matt. Every choice has a consequence. Yeah. And the better my choices, the better my consequences, yeah. typically. So that's what we're talking about. Do you actually you own it? And we've only got about a minute. Do you okay. do you lay out the consequences? I mean, the consequences are inherent in the principle, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Do you, as the parent, need to lay out, okay, if you choose not to do your homework, this is what's going to happen? Or do you, you're saying it's better to just ask a really good question that they can then figure out the consequence. The basic philosophy, I guess we're getting more into parenting than yeah. I expected to today, but the basic philosophy is think, not fight. I love that. Get them to think. Every interaction I have with my child is going to invite them to do one of those two things. I want them to think. Because when they think, they can usually connect yeah. the dots. Yeah. Oh, isn't that and easier? I don't have to spell it all out. It's Plus, not a beat down. I don't want to show all my cards either. Right. Ooh. So, yeah. you know, sometimes kids will come back to me and say, oh, you didn't tell me this would happen. Oh. I said, oh, you're right, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you're on to me. <laughs> it may have been something. You weren't even thinking about it. I, I didn't even think that would happen. Hmm. Right. But I still look good. Because, yeah, dad knew, but dad's going to let you suffer a little bit. There you Paul go. Jenkins, you the man. Dr. P. Jenkins, drpauljenkins.com is his website. We're going to come back with Dr. Paul. I guess we're going to be playing a game at the end of the show. Not a game, but kind of a, you ever just sit back and watch people? I'm a people watcher. We're going to talk about people watching. Just see what we can learn. We're going to talk to the good Dr. Paul Jenkins about people watching after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're wrapping up the show, the Matt Townsend Show today. We've taken a little journey on studying, you know, trying to refresh, rejuvenate ourselves. We learned about Sky's uh, cute little uh, card, his scuba card. I think it's called a certification. His scuba, his cute little scuba certification. Uh, It's like a membership to a scuba team. It's like a credit card. It's like a credit card that you gives you no credit except when you want to go swimming in the ocean. And then actually it allows you to spend money. To, yeah. So it is like a credit mm-hmm. card. It just takes your money away. Mm-hmm. And you're a member of a dive team. 
Good times. So we've learned a lot today. Now, to wrap up the show, Dr. Paul Jenkins is still joining us from drpauljenkins.com. And uh, we thought we'd play a little game, I guess. Is it not a game, is it, Bryce? It's, Actually, this is... Okay, so if we're ideas. talking studying, if we're talking learning, okay, imagine with me, if you will. Yes. You're in the airport. Your flight is delayed, yes. as always happens. Uh-huh. Cinnabon. S- well, okay, you can, but that's kind of a... Mm, that's, that's what sinful. I would do first. It's called sin. A bond. Sinful bond. It even starts with it. I know, mm-hmm. right? I um, so you're sitting there. You got nothing to do. You you prepped for about an hour of waiting, but you have six hours of waiting. What do you do? You people, people watch. watch. Of course. Of course. What else? What more I fun is there? I love people watching. Okay. So, I stare at Sky, by the way. I'll show. <laughs> just the whole time. Just wait and have see. Have you just noticed? Just watch him. It's <laughs> highly entertaining, man. <laughs> just through this segment. Just watch him. Okay. Here's some <laughs> games you can play while, while people watching. While you study other humans. All right? Uh... There's schizophrenia or Bluetooth headset. Uh, <laughs> you just sit there and watch you go, ah, crazy person, and Bluetooth. <laughs> yep. Usually the suit and briefcase gives it away. Yeah. That not it's always, Bluetooth, though. But not always. See, That's there's right. some really funny YouTubes with the guy with his Bluetooth on, and he'll go, he'll go on the aisle picking something up, and he'll just be talking. He'll just say something like, I don't know, like, yeah. No, or like, what's up? And then the guy will turn to him and say, hey, how are you doing? And then he'll say, oh, no, I'm on my Bluetooth. And he'll do it, and you just laugh. Good times. Okay, here's another one. I'm kind of surprised Merritt put this on our list of things to do, but um, this is a game I tend to play. It's much like, very much like a schizophrenia or Bluetooth headset. It's daughter or mistress. Yeah. And as far uh, as people watching, that's kind of fun. That's weird, but true. That's yeah. fun to watch. Cause it some depends people... where you are, what city you're in. Yeah. The context is important. <laughs> That daughter, <laughs> that's a bad game. Next. Uh, there's another one I really, really like. Theater of Life. This is where you, you sit a comfortable distance away from people, and then you ad-lib what they're saying. That's the best. That's my favorite. I really like that one. With yeah. someone that can ad-lib. And then you make it, yeah. And then you well, use this takes some gestures. creativity. Oh, yeah. You turn your mind on, you can have some fun with that. Well, this is how you fill the time. Right. Yeah. Um, and you got to be creative. So for some, that would you'd struggle. Others should just be studying, doing their homework, like you, Sky. Any others that we could be doing? Um, there's another one. How would they meet? Find two people, okay? With what you can figure out about them in the in the airport, figure out how their lives would intersect, other than them being at the airport, because that's kind of a cop-out, because okay, yeah. they're there right now. But two people who maybe they would never run into it. Pretty much you're kind of writing your own romantic comedy. That is... Uh-huh. You know what? Where do you sleep? Because I would probably be sleeping by this time. That's amazing because uh, I find airports to be rather uncomfortable. No, but if you put a Cinnabon down. Oh, I got a food coma. You need a nap. Diabetic shock. Uh Diabetic coma. Have you ever just had the middle of the Cinnabon? Actually, that's all I do. I get it and I just reach in. You don't want the outside. You want the center ring. Sky, what are you? I want the whole Cinnabon. And then I want two more. I love cinnamon rolls. Well, cinnamon that's ones. your problem right I, there. Actually, I think I'm going to go get one after the show now. Power of suggestion. Yep. Cinnabon, Cinnabon coma. Dr. Paul, mm. good having you on. It's great to be here. You're fun. Always a pleasure. Um, we're kind of wacky. That's why I enjoy it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try being here every day. <laughs> it's harder than you think. <laughs> and I don't want to be rude, but it's... It's a good show. It's just that we need your clinical supervision on the show. That's obvious. So no so no one is broken. Right. And I do want you know a lot about addiction 
as well. And I'd like you to just, on your way out, talk to Sky about his about the app. Cinnabon He thing? has an app problem. His No, his Cinnabon self-administration. Yes. Because three Cinnabon? Three. Yeah. For I, starters. Yeah. That won't, that'll kill the young man. <laughs> and then talk about his app. Talk about the Cinnabon. And then try to walk him through this week because he's got four big tests coming up. Sounds like a good week. And okay. this is actually the first week he's gone to class. So the class has been going, I think, for eight weeks or whatever. And this is the that's first. that's where the problem comes in. So again, less Cinnabon, more study. That's the show, folks. Thanks for joining us. Hope you've learned something. Remember, there is good in the world. It's not uh, it's not all gloomy and sad. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more light right here on BYU Radio.